Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another solo episode on the resource room, where today I wanna talk a little bit about writing goals. And by writing goals, I don't mean like you taking the time to write the goal. I am talking about goals that you write that are for students to write sentences or write paragraphs or whatever it might be, okay? So writing and students, it's hard. It's miserable sometimes to be perfectly honest. And I feel like these are goals that for a long time, either I wrote some really crappy ones or I just didn't write them at all. And so I'm hoping some of you can relate because writing goals can be very, very tricky. And to be completely transparent, for a long time, I either just wrote really crappy ones or I just didn't write one at all. And I guess to be even more transparent, for the longest time, I didn't even work on that. And also probably not until going to teach fifth grade general education did I realize how much I had not taught writing as a resource room teacher. And so now that I'm back in resource, that has to be a focus for what we're doing. Just like last week's episode, I feel like we first have to start with what does writing look like as far as a continuum or a spectrum from the beginning to the end? And so I'm going to start mine with writing sentences and kind of moving on from there. However, we have to acknowledge that some of our students aren't even ready to write a sentence. They might need more letters, names, copying words, things like that, filling in the blanks. So to me, if you are going to take the time to write a writing goal, more than likely, you're talking about sentences and beyond. So that's what I'm going to assume, and that's what I wanna talk about today. So let's talk a little bit about that sequence of skills. Let's start at the sentence level. So to me, if students can copy words, copy things like that, then we are going to begin working on writing sentences. Later in the episode, we'll define a little bit about what is that sentence going to include, but a starting point is being able to write one sentence. From there, students would need to then be able to write two sentences and then three sentences, all about, or hopefully all about one topic or one point, whatever that might be. Obviously different Writing prompts, different scenarios might lend themselves to different things, but can they write one to three sentences, depending on where you're starting, about one topic? And we all know what comes after writing two or three sentences on one topic. Then we have paragraphs. And so for me, one paragraph is great, 
But over time, we need our kids to be able to put multiple paragraphs together. And so start with one. Can that student write one paragraph or two paragraphs or, or whatever? And to me, honestly, for my special education students, I would probably chunk this up. Maybe Monday and Tuesday, we're working on just writing that one first paragraph. And then Wednesday and Thursday, maybe they don't even know that we're going to put this with the other one, but then we start working on the second paragraph. Later, the third paragraph that all comes together to become one larger piece that they've written. Obviously, that takes time. That doesn't happen overnight, but working on writing a paragraph that is on topic or on one topic would be the next step. Then putting all those paragraphs together to create what I would call a five paragraph paper, which when I taught fifth grade was grade level material. And so for a lot of us that are teaching primary special education, I'm not saying you're not ever going to get there, a lot of our students with learning disabilities are totally capable of this. So I am not encouraging or discouraging you to get this far, but I just, for to relate, that's what I was teaching when I taught fifth grade. And I don't want any of us who are maybe K to three to be like, holy cow, she thinks I'm gonna get my third graders to write a five paragraph paper? No, no, I don't, not really, to be perfectly honest. But we do have to kind of have the whole sequence of skills here so we know where might they be starting in that order. Maybe they can write a sentence, but asking them to write multiple sentences on the same topic or the same story would be a challenge. I also think with those older elementary students, we really have to take some time to talk about different types of writing. A narrative is going to be very different than an informative. That same narrative is going to be different than a persuasive. And so just taking time to examine examples of those, being able to really dive into what kind of words are used, is there dialogue, are there direct quotations, what is included, how does that structure look when you're writing a narrative versus when you're writing another type of passage, like a persuasive or an informative. And then taking the time to give them time to practice those and review and come back to all of those. You can't just teach narrative at the beginning of the year and then when it pops up on standardized tests, be upset that they don't remember a narrative. You've got to work on it continually. So let's think about that. We're going to start with sentences. We're gonna work our way up to being able to write paragraphs. Later, we want our students to be able to write multiple paragraphs. And after they can write multiple paragraphs, then, or kind of as we're doing that, we need to be talking about how are these five paragraphs that you're writing different when it's a persuasive versus an informative. Is there a limit to the number of paragraphs we could use if we're writing a narrative? Absolutely not. So we have to really take time to look at all those things. And as always, I'm not saying it's gonna be pretty. I'm not saying it's going to be quick, but we have to kind of understand where our kids are in that spectrum. Then just like in reading comprehension, we had different types of questions. Well, with writing, 
we might have different types of prompts, different types of directions or instructions for them. So writing a sentence could be you as the teacher give them three to seven words that are scrambled up and they're writing a sentence using those words. Maybe you're giving them one word. Maybe it's their spelling word and you're asking them to write a sentence using the spelling word. Maybe you're just saying, hey, write a sentence about anything you want. Each of those scenarios would give some pros and some cons. For example, just giving maybe a student with autism a word and having to use that one word could be especially hard for them if they don't know the word, they don't care about the word, they don't like the word, you know, whatever. But if they're a creative student and just giving them, hey, write about anything you want, they might come up with something that's funny. They might come up with something about their specific interest or their likes, or they could sit there and be like, uh, what? what do I write? I, I don't know. I've never had to write a sentence about anything or I don't know what to write about when you tell me anything. Maybe you ask them to answer a question like, what did you do this weekend? What is your favorite color? What's your favorite toy or describe your favorite toy? So there are different things that just writing a sentence could entail. And To be completely honest, I think we have to use all of those things. I think we have to keep all of those things kind of top of mind and do all of those things on a regular basis so that our students can write a variety of things. And if they do need five or six words and unscramble them to make a sentence, that is a lower level support versus maybe you only help them with the word that they don't know how to spell, like rainbow or unicorn or something like that, but maybe they can use all their sight words that you've practiced in your group and then they're able to put those together to create a sentence, except for that one word that's just a little tricky. So you really have to think about what types of questions are you going to be asking them so that you can give them the right supports that they're going to need. When it comes to writing prompts, there are really two different things that might come to mind. For example, you might just give students a writing prompt like, write about your perfect day. Or if you could go on any vacation, where would you go? That's more open-ended. There's nothing in the background that's tied to that. No, just here's your writing prompt, here you go. But what we're seeing in education more is let's read this story or stories, or passage, passages, we're reading multiple things, and then I'm gonna give you a writing prompt from that. So I think, again, what leads to some of that overwhelm for us is writing is such a big mama topic. And even if you know what they can do, knowing where to go with that is kind of overwhelming. And then let's say you say, okay, we're gonna write a paragraph. Is it a paragraph about something you've read? Is it a paragraph about something random? Those are the things that you have to choose because you know your students and you know what they can do or what would be too hard for them, you know. Then you can start choosing from there. Last but not least, before we wrap up, now we have to talk about 
how are we going to progress monitor some of these writing goals? And so for me, I like to use rubrics. And I, I say a rubric, I should probably really call it a checklist if I'm being perfectly honest. And with this checklist, I'm gonna use that instead of rubric. First off, rubric isn't fun. Checklist, I'm a checklist kind of girl, so we'll go with that. Okay, let's go with a real life example. I'm gonna back up just a little bit. So let's say I have a student who is working on writing a sentence. Right now, he does a really good job with our mixed up sentences in our intervention booklet. And he does really good at finding the errors in sentences like every other day we have a sentence and maybe it doesn't have a capital letter or maybe it doesn't have a period. Maybe there's a capital letter in the middle of the sentence or something like they're just errors and my kids have to circle them. He rocks it at that. But then when it's time to write his own sentences, he never puts a capital letter. He never puts punctuation, even though he's really good at finding it in some of those other sentences. So on his checklist, I might have capital letter, punctuation mark. Those would be the first two things on his checklist. For this particular student, I also wanted him to be able to spell high frequency words correctly because this is a strength for him. Again, kind of like finding the capital letters and punctuation marks where they should be, he does well. He's also really good at reading and tapping our high frequency words or our sight words. And so because he's so good at that, to me, the next logical step is to start using those in your writing and start realizing that, hey, if you know that the is T-H-E, the, when we tap it, now let's start applying that to your writing. Now, when you're trying to spell the word the, I want you to think T-H-E, the, oh, T, write it, H, write it, E, write it. And so that's where I'm wanting him to go with his sentences. So notice, I didn't say anything about his decodable words. I could if I wanted, but right now I want to see him write a sentence that has a capital letter, a punctuation mark, and any high frequency words that he uses, I want him spelled correctly within his realm. I'm not talking about the whole Dolch sight word list. I'm talking about the 20 or so that I know he can read. Now let's work on putting them into writing, which is hard. And last but not least, if we're gonna call this baby a sentence, it should probably make sense. There should probably be a complete thought. And so for him, he has four things on his checklist. That capital letter and punctuation mark. I want him to spell those high frequency words correctly, but I also want it to make sense. So those are his four things. So when I start grading his, Maybe initially he has a zero out of four. He doesn't have a capital letter. He doesn't have a period. He spelled words incorrectly, you know, whatever. That would be a no-go, zero. But maybe after several weeks of working on that, he starts adding a punctuation mark. Now he's getting one point. Maybe his sentence still doesn't make sense. Maybe he's not spelling all the sight words correctly, but now he's getting his punctuation mark. A few weeks later when we progress monitor, maybe he has a capital letter and a period. So now he's earning two out of four points. 
over time, over time, we work, we work. He's getting some of those sight words in a sentence. Now he has three points. Now it makes sense and he gets all four points, hopefully after a year of working on that. So that is kind of how I monitor mine. And just like with reading, we're doing it every day. So I literally could progress monitor him at any given time when we're writing those sentences. So for me, a lot of times that's on day two. The kids are given just this blank space in their book for them to write or to draw a picture about whatever they would like. Some write about the story, some write about their favorite video game or YouTuber or whatever nonsense they draw. And then they write a sentence about it. And really the requirement is two sentences, but for him, I'm only grading one. If I can get another one out of him, great. That's just one more opportunity to practice a capital letter, practice putting a period. Let's work on those sight words, some of that. You could also throw decodable words in there. If they're working on beginning blends, hey, let's try to spell those beginning blends. But again, that depends on your student. Clear as mud, right? Writing goals can be intimidating. And so what I would recommend is unless there is a specific reason why you have to write a writing goal, for example, you know, you have a difficult parent, you have an admin who requires it, whatever, I would recommend getting your feet wet with teaching writing for a little bit. Get comfortable with kind of what do my early lower level kids, what are they doing that my higher, more older, more mature students, what are they doing? That way, over time, if you have to write a writing goal, now you know what's right because you're like, uh, whoa, we got to focus on this, this, and that. Or, okay, this student is ready for something more complex, whatever it might be. So take some time to get used to writing before you start throwing in those writing goals. But when in doubt, if you are writing a writing goal, try to use a rubric. In the goal, spell out exactly what you're wanting those or that student to do and then create a checklist. What I love most about a checklist is that over time you can share the checklist with your students. And so then like for my older kids, I have a group of third graders who are working on answering an open-ended question. They have a checklist that they use. And to be honest, this originated because I used it in fifth grade and just kind of adapted it for my special education students who were also in third grade versus fifth grade. And we use our checklist later in the year. I do not start off with this, but later in the year, we use our checklist to grade ourselves. The students grade themselves. Now, they might give themselves all four points or all five points. I might not. But it gives them the opportunity to be like, oh, I didn't even restate this. I just started right in with the answer. I've got to get that point. I've got to go back and restate. Or, oh, I didn't even use a sentence stem like the text said or the author stated. I didn't even use a sentence stem. And so it just gives students the opportunity to grade themselves and be aware of it. But first, you as the teacher have to get the criteria down. And that's why I recommend really take some time just getting familiar with teaching writing. Know what the expectation is so that you can start breaking down into a rubric form what you're expecting your students to do. 
All right, guys, and I will see you next week where listen to the title of this episode. I'm so excited. I hope everybody else has a Chick-fil-A across the country so you know what I'm talking about here. The title of next week's episode is How to Write Goals and Progress Monitor That Is As Smooth As The Chick-fil-A drive through So I can't wait to see you next week where we're gonna talk about how to make it as easy as the Chick-fil-A drive through Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.